What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The old world is dying, the new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of monsters. With those words, I welcome you to the Time of Monsters podcast, sponsored by The Nation magazine. Um, this week, I wanted to take up the issue um, of the border and this uh, so-called border deal uh, that's going through and the weird sort of politics behind it. Uh, because one line that one is hearing for the Democrats is, you know, uh, we gave the Republicans everything they wanted, and look how perverse they are. They uh, uh, they turned that down, um, which, to my mind, you know, like raises the question: Why did you give the Republicans everything they wanted? Uh, the, you know, you have the presidency, you have the Senate, and uh, the Republican hold on the House is very weak. So, like, why did you actually um, give the um, uh, opposition party, uh, like their entire wish list on this issue, especially since, like you know, in the 2020 election, you ran on the um, uh, claim that the Republican policies towards the border were cruel, inhumane, fascistic, um, anti-American. It seems like uh, so. I it seems like the Democrats are trying to have a gotcha with the Republicans, but they somehow perversely created uh, a gotcha on their own end, uh, at least from anyone who's like not a partisan of the party that's looking at the issue from the outside. Uh, but, but to raise like this, you know, question of like, what exactly is going on here? Uh, I'm very happy to have um, uh, Adam Johnson, uh, co-host of the podcast, uh, Citations Needed, uh, who um, is uh, wrote about this for the nation. And so, um, uh, Adam, like, do you want to like just lay out uh, uh, as a start, like just what exactly is going on here? What is this border deal, and what did the Democrats give up? Well, the border deal, which is euphemistically referred to as called the border deal, I guess that sounds better, is 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 a deal that really is only discussed in in euphemism. It's discussed, um, it's discussed in reference to tightening, quote-unquote, toughening, quote-unquote, 
stricter, quote unquote, because nobody really wants to talk about what's in it. Um, now, the 370 page border bill has $8 billion uh, more for ICE. It basically, it more than doubles ICE's enforcement budget. Remember mm -hmm. abolish ICE or criticisms of ICE back, back in the many, many years ago when that was, when that was considered, uh, it was under Trump, it was considered fascistic, uh, you know, Peter O'Rourke, others compared it to Nazism, uh, the Trump border policies. Uh, includes $3 billion to increase detentions and a mechanism to quote unquote shut down the border entirely um, and streamline the uh, the uh, asylum process or even to sort of cut off the asylum process, which may or may not be a violation of international law. Um, one thing that's important to establish is that the status quo right now is extremely violent for uh, undocumented immigrants who are humans, by the way. They do exist. I got another piece coming out about how the, the actual human stakes of this debate have been completely lost and omitted. Um, New York Times, Washington Post, Politico, Axios, all these reports talk about it as if it's this sort of sterile, just, you know, sort of medical thing that doesn't actually have humans mm -hmm. uh, dying at the other end. So, so uh, almost 700 uh, people died trying to cross in, from Mexico to the U.S. border in 2022. Um, and I, yeah, the, I think the you United, the, the, that this is actually like uh, considered like the most kind of violent yeah. uh, migration path in the world. It is. So according to the United Nations, um, who monitors, obviously, these things very closely, it, it is it is it is the most violent uh, border crossing in, in the world. Um, uh, and, and another another seven eight hundred die on the way to the Mexico U.S. border, but die before they get there. Um, now, since Operation uh, since Operation uh, Gatekeeper in 1994, which began in the summer of 1994, again, in anticipation of of, of, of Clinton triangulating on immigration, which in a, a, right before an election, which the Democrats got tranced in, by the way, just for the record, mm -hmm. um, they embarked on a policy of deterrence uh, through pre prevention, which is a euphemism for using violence, starvation, thirst, and other uh, punitive measures before they, people even get here to get arrested to prevent people from coming uh, into the United States. Now, so this is a policy whose internal logic is to be punitive. Remember the whole, the, the trendy liberal, the cruelty is the point that everyone, no one mentions anymore. Because mm -hmm. um, supposedly cruelty is better if it's not the point. I'm not sure morally why that would make a difference. But um, so th it, this has been US policy now for going on 30 years, which mm -hmm. is to say using violence as a deterrent at the border to prevent people from, from coming to, into the United States. And what this, what this bill does is it basically quadruples down on it, on this logic. Uh, the, the only mechanism to, to address the issue is not things like pathway to citizenship. It is not things like dealing with the underlying economic conditions of these, a lot of these countries. It's not lifting sanctions on Venezuela, for example, which is a, which is a, a significant driver of the recent uptick in mi migrations from Venezuela and just in general. Uh, it is not dealing with um, you know, trade imbalances and un, in, uh, you know, sort of abusive IMF loans and other inequities in these countries that they've been subject to. Some of which are the United States' fault, a lot of which aren't, but many of which are that the U.S. can help with. Um, it's not taking a robust or holistic view of why poor people are risking life and limb of them and their families to come into the United States, um, which is, again, at least in some pockets of the Democratic Party, was at least part of the conversation rhetorically, that there was sort of an understanding that these were not a bunch of moral failings. This was not a criminal problem. These weren't evildoers for the most part. Uh, these were just people seeking a better life, and therefore they had to be treated humanely. That's all out the window now. Uh, and the Democrats have taken now a severe hard right turn. They've always been kind of right wing on this because, like I said, Operation Gatekeeper was bipartisan, and Obama was the deporter in chief, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but now they've effectively adopted Trump's position 
And what makes it so unusual is they're doing it quite explicitly. <laughs> they are saying this is the Republican plan. Um, mm -hmm. I believe it was uh, Senator Brian Schatz of, of Hawaii who said, We've, we, we, you, you told us what you wanted, we gave you what you wanted to the letter. So they are saying this is a right-wing Republican policy. We adopted it as part of some clever gotcha, which I'm sure sounded very clever in the White House whiteboarding session, um, to kind of triangulate, take the Republican positions almost categorically, like something like 95% of the bill is just a Republican bill. I think they threw in some token stuff for progressives about streamlining uh, certain legal processes or providing lawyers, but ultimately that was just kind of a yeah. And, and there are, I mean, one should be uh, 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 fair about this and clear about this. There are like more visas, aren't there, in the bill? Like, like uh... yeah, it, it's no. I mean, it depends no? how you. It, it, I think it depends how whether or not it's it, it, uh, the question is whether it be under Trump is I think the yeah. real relevant question here because now now we're sort of giving these turnkey fascistic powers and budgetary to extremely right wing forces. Right, this is. The, the the border patrol union endorsed this bill, and the border patrol union has has repeatedly gotten in trouble for boosting and having associations with white supremacists. The border patrol is one of the most, if not the most, fascist uh, unions in the country, which is saying something. Um, they are they are a, they are a hotbed of of, of pro Trump uh, reaction, and they support the bill. Now, typically, this would this would one would think if Republicans and and, and fascistic organizations came out and endorsed a Democratic bill. So this would maybe give a little bit of consternation and pause because the goal of politics is not simply to win elections, in theory, at least. <laughs> the goal of politics should be to uh, advance moral positions or to lessen suffering or to increase utility, right? Increase happiness, whatever kind of mm -hmm. way one wishes to frame it, right? The goal is not simply to win for the sake of winning. And what people say is they say, oh, well, he, he co-opted this. He, he, he took the, the arrow out of the quiver of Republicans now. They can't, they can't ding him on this. Well, okay, he could also he could also call the Republicans bluff by decertifying the 2020 election and banning abortion. I mean, we can do this all day. He can he can he can he can get the face off surgery and become Trump himself. Like, I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, the goal of politics is to draw distinctions and to provide a different moral uh, and and political narrative as as an alternative, right? In theory, at least, that's that, that should be yeah, the point. Yeah. Not well, to sort I, of simply. I mean, the the argument that the uh, Democrats would make is well, you know, this is an issue on which he's. Uh, the Democrats and Biden are polling very badly. That the the, the polls show the the public um, uh, trust Trump more on the border uh, uh, than this, and that you know the pathways for the Democrats to be reelected, um, especially if like Michigan is out of the uh, picture, which it might well be well, because, because of we Biden's have to policy. We, we have to defend the mass needs. killing in Gaza yeah. at all means. By all. We have to defend the mass killing yeah. of Gaza by all, by at all costs, which is another that, which is uh, another non-starter, right? Yeah, that th they have to get the um, the uh, the states on the border, right? Like they have to get um, uh, and and that these are important issues. So I'm just presenting the the arguments you know, that the Democrats make, like why all right, why so they have let me. To do this. Sure. There's always some fucking excuse why they have to be right wing and cowardly. Right. I mean, who who knows what the counterfactual will be if Democrats actually proposed a, a moral and coherent vision for immigration, which they've never which they haven't done. Right. They haven't they haven't talked about holistic solutions. They think they sent poor Kamala Harris to go scold some Guatemalans and, and give some speech that may have, you know, it did a little bit of rhetoric about root causes, but never really committed to it. Um, who knows what it would look like if they actually made a moral case for a more humane, more liberal vision for immigration that wasn't just cops and cages, batons and bars. Uh, they never did that. So naturally, if you're playing in the terrain of right-wing logic and right-wing discourse, you're, you, you, of course you're going to lose on that to the right wing. 
right? This is like Democrats thinking they're clever by having John Kerry sort of outflank Bush from the right on the war in Iraq. And it was like, no, that's always going to lose because if you can have fascism or diet fascism, you're just going to go with the real thing. Um, and so this is typical of what Democrats do. They don't provide a, an ulterior moral vision. Now, there's sort of two thoughts about triangulation. And I present this in my piece, which is that triangulation, again, a term coined by and, and sort of initially uh, a tactic made popular by Dick Morris um, to sort of help Clinton's 1996 re-election campaign. After 1996, Dick Morris just defected entirely to the Republican Party, he became a Republican, supported Mitt Romney, Donald Trump. He's now a regular contributor to Fox News. And so the question is, was Dick Morris really doing triangulation because he sort of needed to out of necessity because they had to win the 1996 election, or was he doing it just because he was right wing and Clinton and the new Democrat in the third way, the new Democrat uh, coalition was just conservative, but this was something they believed. Now, I think this is the question here. Are Democrats doing a lot of this because they sort of reluctantly have to, to win elections or because the polling says so? Again, I think all that's kind of Oracle mysticism. I don't think any of that's actually empirically sound at all. It's just, it's just vibes. Um, or are they doing yeah, it because they that. genuinely, because they, they, they know the climate crisis is going to be getting worse and worse. They know immigration crisis is going to get worse and worse. By crisis, I mean sort of un, a surplus of unwanted humans who are deemed not sufficiently white. Um, and and they are, they're getting ahead of it because the powers that be, namely corporate interest and, and a lot of the you know, interests who prop up the conservative wing of the Democratic Party, they simply agree with it. So, and, then, and then the sort of, the sort of reluctant calculus becomes the the moral and narrative cover for that. I, I, I sort of tend to lean more towards that. I think, I think people who can look at a, a chart of, of climate change and can look at the, you know, the sort of hockey stick graph of what's going to happen over the next 10, 15, 20 years know exactly what, what we have in store. And they really want to pass a hyper-militarized, hyper-punitive uh, uh, border security plan rather than, again, God forbid we delve into the underlying things causing these migrations. That's just pie in the sky, far left grad school stuff, right? Uh, from from their perspective, and it's time for again, like it is with crime, like it is with with homelessness. It is always easier, politically easier, not just in terms of voters, right? This is, I think, a lot of the stuff gets laundered through this kind of libertarian framework of all is what the voters want. No, it's what the donors want. It's what wealthy donors want. Wealthy donors don't want us to deal with existential social issues from the from the ground up. They they want to do what they always do, which is simply take an, a, a, a social ill. And put it in a fucking cage somewhere. That's what we do with surplus populations of crime. It's what we do with houselessness. It's what we do with anything we don't want. We just put it in a cage and we send a cop to go club someone's head. And this is fundamentally a climate change story. Um, as Kate Aronoff wrote at the New Republic, this is this is a, this is a climate change story, and that is the subtext of all of this. And so anyone who can see what's going to happen in the next ten to fifteen years knows that we have to. Again, we're not going to curb fossil fuel emissions, right? We're not going. No one realistically thinks that's going to happen. So the solution, such as it is, is to simply uh, further further fund the carceral state. I mean, doubling or the, the carceral state, doubling the budget of ICE for ICE enforcement is a meaningful escalation of violence. And so right now you have, again, 700, which is almost certainly an undercount, people dying every year at the U.S.-Mexico border. And that number will almost certainly skyrocket under these terms and under these conditions because it's already so incredibly risky for people to make this journey. They are not doing it because it's a sort of whim. But the, the, again, they call them economic migrants, right? Um, and we could get into the kind of ideological distinction between migrants and refugees, um, the kind of Cold War logic that informed, which we did a whole episode on. Um, this is about the, the people who are doing it are already desperate. So their logic is we need to make it more, more violent, more severe, more punitive, um, and more likely for people to basically die of thirst in the desert um, in order to 
quote unquote, secure the border. And, and what I ask anyone who reports on this and talks about this is why, instead of using euphemisms like secure the border, tough, strict, tight, crack down, these kind of tough militaristic euphemisms that really obscure the human cost, is to A, actually talk to migrants' rights activists, God forbid, which they didn't do. None of these reports do, by the way. This is this, the, the migrants and the migrants' activists are just sort of non existent in this equation. Um, to stop using these anodyne euphemisms, but instead ask yourself, what does that mean to be tougher? What does that mean to be stricter? What does it look like when people die at the border? What are the human costs? Um, what are the amount of, how, how many children die? How many, how many, how many people die in the most horrific deaths, which is one of the worst ways you can die, which is dying of thirst. What does that look like? Talk to groups like no more deaths. Um, ask them what that looks like. Talk about the human stakes, because right now reading these stories, you would, you would, you would have no idea there are actual humans that it's not some. Uh, sort of sterile thing you do where you just click a little button that says secure the border and people magically stop coming. They will keep coming. The only the only thing that'll change is more of them will die. Yeah, no, no. I I think that's a, a, a very compelling argument. There's a few things I wanted to sort of pick up on there. Uh, one is this kind of like long history that you've laid out going back to the 1990s. Uh, and I think one way to kind of like... Um, look at the sort of political calculations of all this is like, you know, the Democrats have already done this many, many times and the results keep getting worse for them in the sense of um, uh, uh, the uh, Republicans continue to be able to, uh, uh, no deal is ever made. So none of the solutions that are ever offered in terms of pathway to citizenship ever get applied. There's been many attempts to have deals and they've always been killed all along. Uh, and uh, the Republicans are uh, uh, continue to be able to demagogue on this issue and uh, demagogue more and more because the uh, uh, the Democrats cave in on this. So we, we, you know, like this is actually like a sort of cycle of things that are getting worse. Um, and uh, so there's absolutely like politically, like if you think you know um, Democrats hurt on this issue, like what they're actually doing, you know. There's no reason well, to think it's going to make it any better, right? Like it's actually the, ar the, ar the, the argument cycle, I make, but it gets, gets worse and worse. Yeah, the argument I make is twofold. Number one, there's one that's moral and one that's pragmatic. And the moral argument, I don't give a shit if it's good or bad for Democrats. That's that's yeah. that's not something that's of concern for me. The fact that the fact that you can get elected by pandering to foaming racists in this country is not a, is not a breaking news, right? I mean, no yeah. shit. How do you think Trump does it? Does that make it okay? Um, that doesn't. That's irrelevant to my to my consideration. I do, however, do make a pragmatic argument. That I and this is one I made two years ago when the Biden White House threw, threw harm reduction uh, drug uh, reform activists under the bus during a whole crack pipes panic that Fox News tried to gin up, which is that, and you see this now with of course writing off basically every every Arab and Muslim voter who were overwhelmingly pro Biden and came out and drove for Biden in states like Michigan and just writing them off because we have to protect Israel's rights to sort of kill as many Palestinians as it deems necessary that that the fact that they do this hard turn, even if it's rhetorical, largely, because let's say the bill doesn't pass, or let's say um, that we sort of accept it. By the way, do, do they owe Republicans an apology for calling them fascistic for the better part of seven years? I mean, I'm serious. Like if they say, if they're adopting the Republican party, that raises the obvious question in most people's minds that, wait a second. So what was, why was this not their position two years ago or under, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? Um, people, this kind of erratic shifting on a dime triangulation logic makes you seem both incompetent and, and amoral. It makes you seem like you're fickle. Because a lot of people will vote for someone even if they don't agree with them, if they seem authentic, right? And Democrats repeatedly get, get docked for not seeming authentic. And this is one of the reasons they seem inauthentic. 
because this is a very inauthentic thing to do, to radically say, oh, we were wrong, by the way. The Republicans were right, but we're going to sort of adopt their piece. And then when we get pushback on, 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 that, on ideological terms, we sort of go back in a, in a fetal position. We go, oh, no, no, it's just a gotcha. We don't really mean it. And it's like, well, do you believe it or not believe it? And what I argue is that if you have, if there's a general perception that people have, especially vulnerable groups, uh, younger groups, uh, Hispanics, uh, Arab, Muslim, et cetera, that if you see that they're more likely not to vote overwhelmingly, um, yeah. that is almost always the case. And I do think that in the, this is a bit of an assertion. I don't have a ton of empirical evidence. You can take it or leave it, I suppose. But I do think that over time, when it, when it appears that a, that, a, that a political establishment will throw you under the bus the second the polling becomes advantageous to do so, this, this, this broadly leads to cynicism. This broadly leads to people checking out of the political system. And, and, and I wrote, when I wrote about this, I, I, I talked about the parable of, of in, in, in the book of Matthew, right? Sort of, um, uh, you know, he, you know, he who uh, defends the least of us, right? It, it's yeah. like this sort of Christian idea, not, not to be saccharine, but the sort of Christian idea that, it, that he who uh, sort of sells out the least of us is not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. The, the general, the reason why this is good propaganda for Christians in its sort of early years is because it basically says that not only are we going to defend the most vulnerable, we are going to actively defend the most vulnerable, the weakest, the poorest, that this is how you build trust in a system that we're not going to, we're not going to see if you have it. It's like if you're on a date with someone and they treat the waiter like shit, right? It's a huge red flag for a lot of people because it yeah. means they're going to treat you like shit when you're having a bad time or whatever, right? It's sort of, if you're constantly signaling to voters that, that who that that these that these groups, which in this case is immigrants, and I don't, I don't want to conflate that with Hispanics. I think that's too that's too yeah. um, I think that's too cheap. But even just immigrants or people who are undocumented immigrants, right? Millions and millions of people who are either legal, quote unquote, legal or illegal, who know people who are as such, right? People have friends who are undocumented immigrants. If you give them the impression that oh, if when I, the second it's politically expedient, we're going to throw you under the bus, and we're going to make it into some clever gotcha. It says, well, why, why would I invest my time and energy into this? I mean, even if I'm not an immigrant, right? Let's say I'm a drug rights activist. Let's say I believe in animal rights. Let's say I'm an anti-war activist. Whatever, whatever your sort of thing is, when you see how easily and quickly and expeditiously those in power will completely sell you out, it says, well, why would I show up? I mean, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll pull a lever on you know, November of 2024 or, 20, or 2020, but I'm not going to really give a shit. And I do think there is this, we, you know, we have all, we have a thousand articles about how, you know, Russia creating Facebook pages and, and all this Chinese TikTok disinformation creates cynicism. And there's nothing that creates cynicism more than watching a political party completely turn on a dime and adopt the most reactionary racist framework after four years of saying, you know, kids in cages and Trump's a fat. I mean, it is, it is jokerifying. It makes people lose their mind. It makes you feel like you're going crazy. Because you're saying, wait a second, I'm sorry. So is this is there are the Republican strategies good or bad? Like what if like I do think I think people talk about purity politics this and purity politics that, but having a little bit of ideological consistency, I think is one way of stemming the tide of cynicism. Because then then, then people then they don't feel like they're constantly gonna be next on the list, right? I mean, again, yeah. are are we gonna sell out trans I mean, well, in Britain they're already doing it, they're already selling out trans people, right? Is I mean they'll be next on the list, right? So why would a trans person when they watch immigrants get thrown under the bus? so quickly why would i go volunteer for biden if i know that i'm going to be next on that list why would i do that yeah no i i think that's a, that's a really compelling point i mean in terms of if there's empirical evidence for this 
I mean, I just think the fact that, you know, Biden has pursued these um, uh, sort of appeasement of Republicans for some time. And we've seen his poll numbers continue to go down, uh, you know, and and it's clear that, you know, where he's softest is among young people, is among people of color, you know, and, you know, these are like crucial parts of his coalition. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think that this is what you're outlining is completely plausible. Um, I, I would also like mention, like just very specifically, the Dreamers, uh, because that right, was we were a not group involved. Yeah. That the uh, you know Democrats made a big issue of, and actually made a compelling moral case. Uh, There's right. only Obama did, you know, like, like you know that, that, that these are people who did nothing wrong. We owe something for them, and we will be the party that defends the Dreamers. And, you know, like there's nothing about the um, uh, the, the dreamers uh, in this so-called uh, border deal. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I sort of feel like um, uh, it's because I, I think that, you know, like I, I think, you know, uh, people who uh, rallied to the Democrats on these issues and there were a lot of people, people were actually incredibly mobilized under Trump to oppose Trump's immigration policy. I, I yeah, they did the same thing with Black Lives Matter. Legitimate, legitimate reason to be disenchanted and cynical, as you said. And uh, uh, Biden, so, so, Biden yeah. ran the coattails of George, the post-George Floyd protest and the Dreamer and the immigrants' rights. They, they wrote those for votes. And this is the assumption, right, that the, that these Panera Bread whites, their votes somehow count 10 times more than progressives or activists or youth votes, mm -hmm. right? This, this is the assumption. And of course, the, I think the whole strategic triangulation thing is just, I got to be completely honest. Maybe I've gotten too cynical. I think it's all bullshit. I think they're just, I think he just, I think, I think he's just right wing on immigration. I don't think he gives a shit. I, I think this is not about winning elections. I think he just agrees. And that, that actually takes you to a more dark place, right? Um, I'm, but even, but from a meta sense, this idea that like you are infinitely expendable and, and I, I, there's many things like disagree with him on these days, but, but Chris Hedges has a really good, has a really good section. He, he writes a lot in his book, Definitely the Liberal Class, where he talks about the idea of neoliberalism and the sacred, and the idea that under under the commodification inherent in neoliberal ideology, is a broader sense that like nothing is sacred. There's sort of nothing worth fighting for. There's nothing that's that's untouchable. Like Central Park is to New York City, right? The most rapacious capitalist in the world should, should can't touch Central Park. They've tried. They've tried for decades. But there's this. There's at least one thing in that city that's sacred. And there's no. There's sort of no sense that anything is sacred. And I think when nothing, and maybe it is a little bit too of a too much of a religious term, but I actually think it's, I think it's, I think it's a really good a good way of viewing this, where it's like if there's no sense of anything sacred, then everyone's it's like it's like when you work at one of the, you know, some shitty job and, and people get fired capriciously, and you kind of look around and you're like, well, what's the first thing you're going to be doing? You're going to be updating your resume and looking for a job. You're going to be stealing the fucking stapler, right? Because you, why why would I invest in someone who's going to sell me out in five seconds? And I and I do think that. That this idea that, oh, well, they're so clever. And again, this, this is only clever for people who watch MSNBC 80 hours a day. I mean, it's truly like, who gives a shit? It's so meta. It's like hard to, it's like, wait, so they called them out and they can't stick them with it. And it's just like almost like following the sort of every revelation, like, you know, Bleeber went to Gorman, who testified against, it's like, I'm sorry, what level of meta? Like, all I, yeah, all yeah, I no, know no, is I, that... I, I, I mean, I think this, we can kind of agree, and, and this might be a good place to end this, uh, that, you know, this, this whole idea of like this, 12 um dimensional chess you know like it i, I don't think it has it's so ever cute. worked it's so it's so fucking cute and it's like and, well, yeah, it, it, yeah. well, 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 well well why is it good why is it virtuous like why why should i care 
Like you just suddenly shift to the Republican position. Then you say they're hypocrites. It's like everybody knows Republicans are craven hypocrites. That's like John Stewart made that point 15 years ago. Like obviously they're great hypocrites. They're Republicans. That's what they are by definition. So what, what's, what, is it good? Do I, is it, is it virtuous? And if so, then why was it not virtuous five years ago when you said it was fashion? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's completely incoherent. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, I think that's absolutely right. Um, I, I, th I think that uh, we, we should um, uh, perhaps uh, end it here. But I, I want to uh, just uh, make one last thing, which is uh, I, I the, the host of the um, uh, uh, Citations uh, Needed uh, podcast. Uh, do you want to just quickly say something about that and then uh, 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 we can exit? Oh, I just, yeah, I have a podcast called Citations. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Um, uh, what what does the podcast it? cover? It's just media criticism. So we, we, for example, we would discuss, in fact, I think we probably will discuss things like, especially kind of super elaborate, high concept narrative uh, building. Like we double dog tricked the Republicans into doing the thing they wanted to do anyway, but they're hit, I don't know, who knows at this point, what level of meta we're on. All I know is it plays well on, on, uh, on the on MSNBC, I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. So, anyways, if you want to listen to more of Adam, uh, uh, that's a, a good podcast to check out. And I want to thank him uh, for uh, uh, joining me this week for this very illuminating discussion. Happy to join you. Thank you. Sorry, I ranted. <laughs> <laughs>